Isaiah 63, starting with verse 7. <clears throat> I will me mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on us, bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness, kindnesses. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy. And he fought against them. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here. It is. I, you know, sometimes I just, I, you know, especially I'm standing in the back, I, you know, hear the songs and, and hear the prayers, and it just really is like medicine for my soul, and I am thankful to be here. I'm thankful that you all are here, and uh, I know there have been a, a lot of storms going around in the area, storms in people's lives. And um, I just uh, continue your prayers for our brothers and sisters who are going through different kinds of storms right now. Um, but we know that even when this, this world is filled with storms, with sickness, with death, but we're thankful that in all this that God is good and that all the time it's true. And we're thankful for that. You know, of uh, all the things about being a Christian, um, you could argue what's the most important. Uh, eternal life would uh, probably be the most important one. Another important one is the presence of God. You know, God dwelt with his children, us, and uh, until sin became such an obstacle, we keep choosing sin, that um, we could no longer be in his presence. And then God chose to, his presence to be with the people of Israel, and he dwelt with them, and he dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem. And then God dwelt with us in the form of a man called Yeshua from Nazareth. And when Jesus, when that Yeshua ascended back to, to the right hand of the Father, um, he sent the Spirit of God to us. And now, if you really think about it, it's kind of an overwhelming thing. The Spirit of God dwells in those who are baptized into him and believe in him. So, I've taught uh, or I've given quite a few sermons about that, but I want to think about another aspect of what that really means. Because we, if we're going to be Christians, we have to get our heads around what it means to be the new temple. Well, it's not a temple in Jerusalem, it's a temple right here. 
we are the temple in which dwells the Spirit of God. In order to really understand that, though, in the way that I want us to understand it this morning, we have to understand who God is. Who do you think of when you think of God? And I thought of putting pictures up uh, today to show different views people have of God, and I just felt like that was inappropriate. So you can just look at this cool background behind me instead. Um, Do you picture... uh, a man in robes with a long white beard. I don't know why. Beards are cool, but I, you know, uh, that's not necessarily an attribute ever described of God, um, it, per se. Um, do you picture someone more like a policeman? You know, do you picture like a, a principal at your school? Someone who's just, hey, what do you do? Hey, stop, stop that. Who do you picture when you people over there going, what? I'm not doing anything. Sorry. Didn't mean to startle you, especially kids. You're okay, Emmerich. Everything's good. All right. Um, who do you picture when you picture God? The pictures we have of God, well, one picture we have of God is the man we call Jesus the Christ. And if we think about how he acted... He was a servant. He um, was a man full of love, as is God. So to really understand the Spirit of God, I think I've been brought up thinking of the Spirit of God more like a thing. And some of us think of God as more like a force of nature. You know, when your trees get sliced off in half, which is the weirdest thing I think I've seen with a tree um, that happened to you guys, you say that's an act of God. Um, is God a force of nature? Is the spirit just this it thing, like some sort of vibe that's like in my body, you know, like one of my chakras or something? That I think that's how we've grown up, or I've grown up thinking about it. But if we are, if we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, if we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, how can we really fully? Um, be Christians without understanding a little bit of what that means. So in order to talk about this morning, I first we have to talk about God's love. We have to talk about love, sin, and grief. What a catchy title. Thank you, Steve. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. So a lot of people ask, why, and this has been asked in class on Wednesday night, why did God choose the Israelites? Well, here's your answer. Um, You, talking to the Israelites here, are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. God has chosen you to be special, somebody that he treasures, someone that he holds close and protects. But of all the peoples, uh, out of all the peoples who are in the face of the earth, it's not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord 
has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This, of course, was spoken um, not long after the Israelites were freed from slavery in Egypt. So why did God choose the Israelites? He chose them, number one, one reason is because he made a promise to Abraham. That was one reason. But the first reason that is cited is because he chose to. He chose to love. And that's who God is. God loves. He chose someone to love that agreed to love him back. And that's who we are. We're the new kingdom of Israel. We have cho- God has chosen to love us, and we've been baptized into Jesus Christ. We are his bride now, and he holds us close and treasures us. That is why. He loves us simply because he chooses to. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, which means Israelites, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, because I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. This is personal to God. So if you think of God as some force of nature, or some policeman walking up and down the streets of the earth, checking to see if anybody's committing any crimes, you don't get who God is. You just don't get it. You need to look at what God says about himself. When you pass through the waters, that means when you enter into your new land, I will be with you. And through the, through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. All these dangers, all these things that are out in the world, and God knows they're, they're there. He knows there's sadness, there's sickness, there's storms, there's fire, there's rushing water. And God says, I care though. I chose you. I chose to love you. And you don't need another reason other than I chose to love you because you chose to love me back. Like a wife or a husband. Although God is, okay, I don't want to get myself in trouble this, this early on. But the way a good husband cherishes his wife and holds, it, holds her close and protects her doesn't just, he's not some force in the house. He's a person who's deeply invested in the life of this woman. That, or that's who God is to us. If you don't understand that, you don't understand God. He says it over and over and over and over again. He says, that's who I am. And all I know, these things are out there, and I know that there will be pain, but you won't be burned. The flame won't consume you. You won't drown. Why? Verse 3, because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. There, yes, there are other nations out there. You know what? You're the one that's precious to me. I exchange all of them for you. Why? Because I choose to. Because I love you. That's what love is. It's a choice. Verse 4, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. And I give men in return for you, peoples, in exchange for your life. You matter to God. You're special to God. If you don't understand that, if you think of God as a policeman or a force of nature or some scary dude with weird facial hair, you you don't get it. Let's look at his son or God in the flesh, Matthew chapter 20. And again, there were a lot of verses I could have chosen, so I've just tried to be kind of representative of, of the things that... I feel like we need to understand better. When I say we, I always mean I as well. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed Jesus. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Son of David means appointed king of God. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be quiet. But they cried out more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They would not be shut up. They kept crying out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David, king of Israel. Lord, our Savior, you called yourself our Savior. Save us. And the more people told them to shut up, the more they just kept shouting. They were, they were desperate. And they had hope. They had hope because they heard Jesus was coming. Verse 32, And stopping, Jesus called to them and said, Well, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight. And then they followed him. Jesus was moved to pity. Jesus, when these men cried out in pain, Jesus felt their pain. He cared about their pain. He didn't heal them because some rule system up in the cosmos says, if this man says this in this way, on, at this time, on this day, then God will come and he will pronounce on them. That, no, it's not like that. Jesus was a person, like I'm a person, like you're a person. And he saw the men sitting there. And he, the crowd were shouting at them to shut up because they thought anyone who's blind was a sinner and has no business talking to the holy man Jesus. But they just kept shouting. They said, no, I won't be, I won't be silenced. I need help. Jesus hurt for them. Why? Because he loved them. Why did he love them? Because he chose to. And he was moved to pity. He healed them not because it was the right thing to do. He healed them because he cared. And we need to understand that about God. All right. Moving on to Mark chapter 10. 
I started in verse 19 in my slide, but you know I like to call audibles a lot. Let's go back to verse 17. It's not on the slide, but you have your Bible open there, hopefully. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm using that voice because this is a rich guy who is just trying to show how cool and rich and sophisticated he was. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. He's saying there, are you, you saying that you accept that I'm the son of God? Then he changes gears a little bit and he says, well, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the man said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. Because he had great possessions. Here's a man that Jesus knew. He could tell by the attitude of the man. Jesus knew things that I don't know when I meet people. But he knew what was in this man's heart. He knew that he was coming to make himself feel good about himself. And say, isn't it good that I'm rich? I'm rich because God has blessed me, right? I'm rich because I'm the best. That's why I'm rich. I just want you to tell me that. Good teacher, tell me that I'm rich because I follow God's commands so well. And Jesus, you know, we hear this story. It's like Jesus says, oh, no, you still have to. No, that's not how God, that's not how Jesus said that. When Jesus saw the man, he didn't go, look, buddy, I'm going to straighten you out. Isn't that what he said? Is that what the scripture says? Verse 21 says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He knew that the man was going to reject him. And he loved him anyway. He was moved to pity by the men who just wanted healing, and he was also moved to pity by the man who simply wanted to justify himself. And again, if we're going to understand God, we have to understand that God is invested in those he loves. Not a policeman, not a force of nature, not a school principal, not some weird depiction in a book that you can never hope to understand. No, he's your God, and you're made in his image, and he cares about you, the things you're going through, the things you feel overwhelmed by, the things you feel alone about, the things you're confusing, that are confusing or even leading to despair. He cares. He's involved in all those things. The raging waters, the burning fires. God cares, and he's with you. So, since we've talked about the love of God, one part of investment in someone is that you love them. But if you've ever loved someone, 
you realize that puts you in a particularly vulnerable position. If you choose to love someone, they can hurt you. This is, you know, I like bad examples, so here's another bad example. Linda and I were, I won't mention who the singer was, but we were talking about a singer from the 70s, and I was like, whatever happened to that guy? Well, it turns out what had happened is he had had this romance with this other famous person, and even though he was like, he was the bee's knees, as it were, in the 70s. Linda had a crush on this guy. He was absolutely devastated because he fell in love with this woman, and she rejected him and hurt him, and he just disappeared from the scene. His whole life was ruined. That's a little overreaction for a woman. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. It's not. But the truth is, you know, if you have children, you know the, the people that can most hurt you in this world are those children. Because you're so invested in them, they have the ability to hurt you. When they reject you, it hurts bad. And when you love a man or a, if you love your wife or your husband, dodge that one. When you love your wife or your husband, you become invested in them. You care about them. But because you've chosen to love them, they can hurt you. So let's look at that side of who God is. You all know the story, but let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Things started to go wrong in the garden when men chose the wisdom of the serpent versus the instructions of God. And things have just continued that way. And we really need to understand this. I feel like, yes, all right, good. I've got the right verse. Genesis 6. Starting at verse 5. Creation had gone on for a while, and the Lord looked at the earth, and he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. He regretted that he had made man and put him on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. God felt emotional pain. I don't understand completely what that means. I'm just reading the Bible to you. God was grieved to his heart. He was sorry. The, the word there can mean, you know, a lot, it has a lot of different connotations. It, he repented. He, 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 he had a deep feeling. You know, we would call that a feeling deep in the pit of our stomach. He was just sickened and sorry and wished he just never created men because men had rejected him so much. And because all the people on earth, instead of God watching them enjoy the beautiful world he made and in thanking him and saying, God, we love you. Be part of our lives. We, we praise you because look at all these beautiful things. All they ever did was, was evil to each other and to the world. That's, I, didn't, I didn't create you for this reason. He was sickened to his stomach. And you know, the story goes on that he sought to destroy the world, but he didn't seek to destroy the world because 
you know, he's like the lifeguard. Hey, you kids, cut that out. Or a policeman. You know what? All right, we're, we're raiding you now. You've gone this time. You've gone too far. No, it's not that. It's because he loved and was invested in the people of the earth. He was grieved. Grieved. His heart hurt. It's right there in the Bible. And I wonder if we see it all the time. And then let's uh, go to the verse Dave read this morning in Isaiah. Chapter 63. Starting in verse 7. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that He has granted them because of His compassion, because of the abundance of His steadfast love. Because He said, surely they are My people, children, who will not deal falsely. I can trust them. I can trust them. I love them, and I know they're going to love Me back. And He became their Savior. He saved them. He protected them. He held them close. He cherished them. In all their affliction, He was afflicted. What does that mean? Every time they hurt, He hurt. Do you get that? The fires hurt God. The storms hurt God. The fear hurt God. The pain hurt God. And the angel of His presence saved them. Why did the angel of His presence save them? Because it was the right thing to do? Because that's the rules of the universe? No, because He loved them and cared about them and was invested in them. It's right there in the text. In His love and in His pity, He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and they grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He turned to be their enemy and Himself fought against them. We talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, you know, if I do the wrong things, if I, if I have a, this percentage, it's kind of logarithmic, really. You know, if I do this much sinning and then it goes over here, and then you can, that's kind of the, the square of this plus, uh, the, you know, like some kind of formula of how we're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, how, let's have a debate. What kind of sin? What quantity of sin? Let's talk about sins per day, or let's talk about repentance versus sin. I think I've got a good algorithm to figure out what grieving the Holy Spirit. Like it's a machine. Like God's a machine. You know, that's paganism. Treating God like some machine that if we do the right dances, put our right foot in or right foot out. Go like this, then God's going to bless us. That's paganism. That's evil. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we hurt God to His heart. So we don't want to avoid grieving God's Holy Spirit or else He'll get us. That's policeman thinking. God's not a policeman. We're His bride. He's invested in us. We grieve Him when we rebel, 
when we turn against, when we hurt him, when he shows us all this love, when he holds us close and we go, you know what? (laughs) That's all good. I'm going over here. When we spit in his face, when we reject him, when when our thoughts are evil, when 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 we're just doing violence against each other, when when we're just refusing to love him back the way we promised we would. And if you're baptized into Christ, you have promised to love God back. And if you don't love him back the way he loves you back, he like you is grieved by that. If you love someone and they don't love you back, that causes you grief because you're made in the image of God. Have you ever been scorned by someone that you really deeply cared for? That's a deep, deep, deep hurt. And that's a hurt God feels. When we talk about grieving God's Holy Spirit, we're not talking about some machine of the cosmos. We're talking about the person, the loving God, the one you agreed to love, You've hurt him. After he did all these things for you, he sent his only son because he just wanted things to be okay between you and him. Willing to go to any length. Let's go to Psalm 78. Starting in verse 36, yes. Talks about what the Israelites did. But they flattered him with their mouths. Oh, God, we love you so. God, we love you so. We sing our praises. Look at how, look at how much we love you, oh, God. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast. Their heart was not invested toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. They were not faithful to the promises they made. But he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them, which he could have and actually should have done. But because he's so compassionate, because he loves them so much, even though they were not faithful, they cheated on him, they humiliated him, he restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. We're talking about this. Whoopsie, what happened there? We're talking about this on, okay, we're having a complete meltdown here. Please be in the right order. Of course not. Okay. We talked about this in our Sunday night class. Excuse me while I figure out what went wrong there. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I should have left it on my screen. Jesse, do something. Help me. This is not the way I pictured this going. Oh, boy. I know. I can't, can't let that roll like that. Here we go again. And now 
Yeah, let's just cut it. We don't need slides. We really don't. All right. Hopefully you brought your Bibles. Thank you, Jess. Acts chapter 7. See, this is why you bring your Bibles. We could have a complete technological breakdown during the sermon. Acts chapter 7. Starting in verse 51. This was a... This was another Stephen, a much more holy Stephen, who's talking to his people, the people of Israel. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you've now betrayed and murdered. Imagine the pain God felt at that. His holy people, He sent His Son to them, and they betrayed and murdered Him. But who did they resist? They resisted the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, again, is not some machine. It's God's Spirit. I have a spirit. You have a spirit. God has a spirit. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about some cosmic entity. We're talking about the spirit that's in God. They've resisted the Holy Spirit. And so grieving the Holy Spirit means He loved them and they slapped Him in the face. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit, that Spirit being the Spirit of God, is life and peace. Because the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. Because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, if in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Do you see the connection there? The eternal life comes from God's Spirit in us. Because God's Spirit is life, we have life. So God's Spirit, God's love, God's investment, His His personality, His personhood is in us. And He's holding us close and cherishing us like something precious. 
And He expects us to certainly do that back. And if we hold on to to the Spirit of God the way He's holding on to us, then of course we have eternal life. That's the connection. You see that? It's not some mechanistic working of the universe. It's not some, I obeyed the right rules. I didn't make the policeman angry. No. I held God close the way He holds me close. I didn't grieve His Spirit. I didn't hurt His Spirit. I cherished His Spirit. Um, Go down to verse 14 there. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Who was the Son of God? Jesus was the Son of God. Everyone who's led by the Spirit of God is also a Son of God. Last verse, Ephesians chapter 4. Read this multiple times, but I want us to hear this in a different way today. I want us to understand this in a way that we haven't understood it before. So pay very close attention. If you don't have your Bible, then hear my voice. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That's important for some reason. Well, we know the reason, but listen. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Nothing that makes the world worse comes out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up and fits the occasion so that it can give grace to those who hear. Connected to that, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see the connection there? God was grieved when men's hearts were evil and angry and hurtful to each other because God holds each one of us close like that. These things are important. Don't grieve the Spirit of God by doing the same things. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Okay, yeah, I know, but I'm just expressing no! Enough! Put it away! You put away the wrath, the anger, the bitterness, the clamor, the smack talk. You put it away along with all malice. Whatever ill feelings you have towards someone else, you just put it away. If you don't, you're grieving God's Spirit. He trusted you to love the people He loves. To love yourself and His creations. You just put it away. If you don't, you're betraying God's Spirit. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We've read that so many times. I think I, think I haven't fully understood until God has shown me through His Word. Look, you're not, you're not committing some type of sin. You're hurting the person, the Spirit of God. I will protect you from the fire and the flames. Your anger is about the fire, the flames, or whatever. Put it away. I am your God. I will save you. 
don't grieve me. I trust in you. I love you. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. You know, I spent so many years of my life going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the right Christian things, man. Look, I'm teaching Bible class. That may be how I talked back then. Sure, fine. I'm teaching Bible classes. You know, I studied a little bit Christian. You know, I've got like all this, you know, I know what's going on. You know, I'm, I've been in the church literally since before I was born, you know. But I'm just not like, I'm, I don't have this sense of God's presence. Well, yeah, you don't have a sense of God's presence because you've grieved His Spirit. He's walked away from you. You have to cherish God the way God cherishes you. I don't know all of what that means, but I know some of what that means. It means you give all of your heart to Him the way He's given all of His heart to you. If you'd like to give your heart to Jesus this morning, if you need prayers of the church, if you have grieved the Holy Spirit and you want the prayers of your brothers and sisters to help you get to where you need to go, if you have any other prayer or need for the church, please come forward. Let us pray with you while we stand, while we sing this song.